golf is one of those sports where like everyone out there is good and you know everyone out there can play at a high level but it's about who can play at that level when they need to the most consistently you know like okay you can shoot 66 today can you go out and shoot another 66 tomorrow Jordan how's it going good how's it going doing well man so the past few episodes I've had on Number one, I had a, a mini tour player on as well, Marty Sanchez. So he's just based in the Southwest. And then I had on Hunter Schwartz, who is starting a project called Drive for the Dream, right? And after sitting down and learning from these guys, like I just realized like I'm just kind of fascinated by the world and the lifestyle of mini tour golf. So I'm pumped to have you on. Well, appreciate you for having me. Um, I'm excited to you know, see where this goes. For sure. So I think for me, when I take a step back and I look at mini tour golf, right? And I, I try to understand what's going on because obviously I can't relate, but there's three main themes that, that really stick out in my mind. The first one is like, it's hard, right? Statistically, it's a challenge, right? There's only a couple guys on tour. When you look at everything, you zoom out macro. So it's difficult, right? Number two, ton of hard work, right? Ton of discipline mentally and then physically. And then number three, persistency. So I know that all kind of ties into your overall you know, value, right? Yeah, um, I kind of started that Motro right when I turned pro, um, just because that's kind of how my career has been even before I turned pro, like my whole my whole life. Um, I was never like a prodigy growing up or anything like that. I've just constantly tried to improve and put a lot of work in and time. And, you know, I've started to see results, you know, as I've progressed further and further. But yeah, it's definitely a sport where, I mean, nothing's going to be given to you, everything you're going to have to earn. It's not like other sports where you can sign big contract deals. And then, you know, you know, you're kind of set for a little bit of time. Like it's kind of like tennis. Like that's probably the closest sport for a where, I mean, well now I guess there are, there are a few other opportunities where um, you kind of have those, but um, normally, I mean, every time you tee it up, you got to make the cut to make money. And um, there's a lot of really good players. Um, the competition is, I would say it's probably even stiffer now than when I first turned pro five years ago. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's not easy, but um, it's very rewarding, you know, if you're able to make it to the top. Sure. Okay, I love that. So, dude, you're a grinder. You know, I mean, to to get there, right? It's going to take a lot of work, a lot of this, a lot of discipline. So, you're putting in that hard work, right? So, I want to kind of dive into you specifically, right, and talk about your story, your background. So, let's start from the beginning, right? Where are you from, man? So, I'm originally from Southfield, Michigan. Um, I grew up. A couple miles north of Eight Mile. Everybody always knows that road. Um, just just outside of Detroit, and um, I like spent my whole childhood there. Went to high school there. Um, graduated from high school and went to college in North Carolina, a small D one school called North Carolina Central. Played on the golf team there four years. Got my bachelor's in business finance, um, and then quickly after graduating, I turned pro. Like that summer, right after graduating from college. Um, so it was always, you always, for you, was it always obviously finance, great, great, uh, undergrad, but was it always pro for you? Is that you had your eyes set on that pretty much throughout your childhood? Um, I'd say I, I knew I wanted to try to become a pro probably around high school, like beginning of high school. Um, cause I played a lot of, I did a lot of other stuff too. It wasn't like I just played golf. Um, I started playing when I was six, but I also played a lot of other sports too. Like I played um, basketball a little bit through elementary school. Um, I played soccer all the way through high school. 
And um, I also played a couple instruments. I played the flute and the saxophone. So this guy does was, it all. Is really what the case yeah, is, I was, huh? I was pretty involved. Like you know, it wasn't like I just solely was set on golf. And my parents allowed me to kind of just enjoy my childhood and do you know what like I enjoyed doing. They didn't force me to kind of you know just stick to whatever I you know had the most fun doing or cared the most about. So um, it wasn't until like high school where I kind of started to give up um, sports and kind of like not spend as much time with, you know, the other stuff outside of golf. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely, it was definitely um, a good time, like having other outlays. Cause um, especially like when I transferred to a new high school after my first two years, um, being on the soccer team kind of like introduced me to you know, new people that, so I, like when I went to school, I had, you know, new people. But dude, I, I think knew. balance is important too, right? Because even the guys on tour and, you know, you know, I mean, they'll take time off, you know, and I thinking about my time as a junior golfer growing up, like I was kind of the opposite of you. All I really did was play golf. So I would just get burnt out and I would like find my value sort of from the way I was playing. And that's all it was, right? It's just golf, golf, golf. And I didn't necessarily have time to like reflect or do other things. So I think having balance like as a junior probably is like a pretty important thing, like you said, or like you're alluding to, right? For sure. Like growing up, I think you, you want to try to have the game be as fun as possible. Cause you know, it, it can be extremely like encouraging if you have success early, but if you don't have success early, you don't want to, you know, kind of feel like you're drifting away from the sport before you really even get started. Because I mean, there's junior tournaments that you can play from a young age, but really things don't get, ultra serious until you kind of hit that high school mark because that's when you know coaches start looking at you for for schools as far as past high schools or college um that's when like u.s juniors and things like that start happening ajga gets a lot bigger as far as like the amount of players that play um and then obviously after high school college golf is a lot more serious that's kind of like the next step and, so before you know, we get there, man, I want to just give it, I want to dive into mini golf, junior golf, but then also like growing up and playing in Michigan specifically. Cause like we had mm-hmm. talked about previously, you know, my mom is from actually Southfield. She grew up in Southfield, which is kind of a crazy connection because that's where yeah. you're from as well. So growing up, I'd always go to, uh, to Michigan cause that's where my grandparents live. Right. And I get to play golf with them. And I was also just this massive Detroit Piston fan. Like Ben Wallace dude was my favorite player and that's that team was crazy too is ben chauncey rip tayshawn yeah. like all these guys rashid dude yeah. it was it was yeah. an awesome team so i don't and know I'm sorry, much I, about still think that, I, I was but, just gonna say i still think we uh we probably have the best announcer in the game too because you probably yeah, if you, detroit you, basketball you know, and then, yeah 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 Dude, so I, I have like a lot of appreciation for Michigan, you know what I mean? Um, but when you look at golf specifically before we get into the junior side and you think about just Detroit golf, right? There's right. a lot of like pretty solid courses there, right? There's Detroit Golf Club and then obviously Oakland Hills, which, you know, burnt down. Mm-hmm. But can you talk a little bit about growing up in Michigan and, and what that was like as far as the golf courses go and, and kind of where you stayed and where you practiced? Yeah, so... Um, growing up, I, I wasn't in the country club environment. Um, you know, I, my parents didn't have money to like have me in those circles, but, um, I primarily grew up playing public golf courses. So like there was a couple in Southfield, one of them's still there. The other one's gone, but, um, one was Beachwoods and the other one was Evergreen Hills. They were both nine hole courses. Um, and they kind of were where I like 
learn to love the game. You know, that's where I kind of grew up playing. My dad would take me out there. One of the courses was only like um, five minutes from where I grew up. So, and it was like, right. It's kind of funny. It was right behind where I went to elementary school too. So, um, you know, it was kind of fitting to just have that golf course there. And then I didn't know it at the time because when I was in elementary school, yeah, I, I, I kind of started getting introduced to it then, but I didn't really know that like, oh, I'm going to, you know, try to take this game as far as I can at the time. But um, yeah, Midwest golf in general is really good. And there's a ton of really good golf courses in Michigan. The only thing with it is you kind of only have seven, eight months out of the year to play them. If you're lucky, depending on what type of winner you get. So um, yeah, you said Detroit golf club, Oakland Hills. There's a lot of others too. Those are probably the two like in the Metro Detroit area that come to mind for most people. Um, but yeah, I played in high school. I played a ton of really good golf courses up there. And um, every time I go back, I, I try to, you know, get some rounds in if I can. Yeah. Dude, can you talk me through Oakland, like Oakland Hills as far as layout? Have you played there? I've played like, the North you... and the South. Um, yeah. the, it, the I mean, South it just looks South. incredible. It looks super pure, right? Obviously, like you said, you only have a certain amount of months per, per year to play. But like mm -hmm. the pictures I've seen, it's just lush, green, incredible bunkers. Like the layout just looks sick. Yeah. So I actually haven't played it since they renovated it. They went since they went through the restoration. I think that was two years ago. Um, they cut out a lot. Like the last time I played it there, it was completely different. It was still pristine and everything, but they cut out a lot of trees now and kind of reoriented a few of the holes to kind of how they were when they originally designed the golf course. So it looks really sick, and I, I hope I can get out there soon and play. But um, we gotta go, dude. Let's go play there yeah. sometime. We gotta go. <laughs> I mean, I, I know a few members, but yeah, I just haven't been able to make. I've just been so busy playing events, I haven't been able to make it up there. But yeah, the place is unreal. It's probably, it's probably my. I don't know if I would say it's my favorite golf course, just because when I played it, it was so difficult. Um, but it's definitely probably the most prestigious course that I've played because they've had everything from you know the Ryder Cup, U.S. Amateur um ton of us opens pga championships and every time i'm there it's always in like pristine condition you know everything is perfect and i'm really curious to see what they're going to do like like you already mentioned with the the burning down of the clubhouse because that was a it was almost like a, a landmark in the state of michigan it was one of the oldest um wooden structure buildings in the state and i'm assuming they're going to probably whatever they do to remodel or you know, rebuild what they decide to do with it. Um, I'm going to guess they're going to try to make it look as close to the original as they can because it was just such a, and it, the clubhouse went like right up to like where you tee off on the first, on the first hole. Yeah. Dude, and I it, love it that style great. of course. Cause that seems like to me, like an older style course. Like I played, I got to play Cypress point, which was like an awesome opportunity. That was a couple of like two years ago. And it was the same thing. You literally walk out of the pro shop and you're on the first tee. Like you can literally tee it up you know, taking a step out. So those old style courses are cool, but like Detroit golf club as well is also an older course. Yeah. Yeah. It's been there over a hundred years. Yeah. Same kind of, um, a lot of the courses in Michigan are like that, like, uh, Detroit golf clubs, Donald Ross design. Um, I actually just played an event there earlier this year, um, right before the rocket mortgage. And, um, yeah, old style course. I like that. I like Midwest golf in a lot in general like um i've been in florida for almost a couple years now and florida golf is great and I, I like desert golf and like golf in other parts of the country but 
Um, there's something about, you know, those square box tea boxes and, you know, lush rough and tree line holes and, you know, elevation changes that, that it's just probably my favorite style of golf. You know, I, I feel like I could play it year round and not get enough of it. For sure. All right. So when you, you mentioned Florida and I don't want to jump too far ahead, right? Do you want to go there? Or do you want to t- go back into to college? It's up to you, man. Where do you want to go? Yeah, I can highlight college a little bit. Um, I went okay. to yeah. North Carolina Central, like I said, um, in Durham, North Carolina, um, not too far from Duke. Um, we actually practiced at Duke's golf course. And that was kind of like my first experience away from home for a long period of time, getting to experience golf in a different part of the country and um, also just being away from home. And I think I kind of really like learned a lot about myself in those four years. Um, My game developed as well. I was able to be surrounded by, you know, players that were more so on my level. Um, When I was in high school growing up, really all four years, I was kind of established as the best player on my team. And did you win um, state I, or something? It was like a seven man playoff and you won state. I or? almost did. I almost did. Um, yeah. My senior year, I was in a five man playoff. Um, mm-hmm. We we were all three under. Uh, I shot 68 the second round of the state finals to get into that playoff. But right. unfortunately, went out on the first playoff hole. Um, it, but it was still a great experience. Uh, there, like the whole tournament, like surrounded the 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 playoff and everybody in it um I was the last one to tee off in the playoff I striped the I I think I was too pumped up I just like dude you remember it like it was yesterday you got to yeah Yeah, like because because I mean what I I, well first off I could have easily won the tournament without even having to go in a playoff I made one bogey in that second round and it was like a putt like a three or four foot putt that I lipped out so you know, if that doesn't happen, I, I just win it on, like, right. on my own. And then in the playoff, um, I hit the a drive, like, a lot further than I normally do. And I got it down so close to the green that the shot I kind of left myself with was one of those, like, touchy-feely, like, right. 55-yard, like, you know, no finesse shot. Yeah. yeah, like, and I just kind of didn't really play the shot right. Um, went over the green and kind of just you know, left myself in a tough position, but, um, it was a really cool experience and that kind of really capped off my high school career really well, because going into that senior season, I wasn't even considered like a, a top player to watch in my like County, like let alone the whole state. So when I did that, you know, it was kind of like out of nowhere. I was almost the first African-American to win it all, but I was obviously the first one to, to tie, um, losing in the playoffs. So, and it kind of goes back to like what you were talking about in the beginning with the passionate, precise, persistent, because um, every year of high school, my scoring average dropped and, you know, culminating with that performance there. And then the same thing happened in college as well. Like um, my first year, I kind of struggled a little bit. And then I would come back after the summer every for, you know, every new season and see improvements in my game. Um, my junior year is when I won my first tournament. And then my senior year, I won two more. Also helped our team win our first tournament as a as a team so that was a little history thing as well and um just enjoyed really like north carolina like north carolina is a great part of the country as well like uh, north carolina has some pretty sick golf as well right yeah i've never been but i've heard only great things yeah i I, if it didn't get like if it was just a little further south and didn't get as cold in the winter i would definitely consider it 
as like a perfect like home base um for like a pro golfer because it's like mm-hmm. it, it really has everything that you'd want um right. and it's not crazy expensive florida's getting a little a little expensive yeah. down here but um everywhere is man everywhere. <laughs> yeah honestly <laughs> All right. So when you think about your game progressing, right? Because you had mentioned from freshman year to basically senior year of college, freshman year mm-hmm. of high school to senior year of college, like your game has just been trending in the right direction. So like, what is that? Is that you getting like, are you becoming a smarter player? Are you learning your game more? Are you managing your misses better? Are you hitting it farther? Like, what is that or what's contributed to you getting better over time? Because I look at my game now, I don't play as much and I just hack it up, dude. I'm literally at the range just you know, I was a three or whatever. I'm not progressing. So like, how can people get better in that time period? Um, well, I think it starts with having like a, you have to understand like where you're at and why you are where you are. Um, you have to kind of be honest with yourself as far as, you know, this is what's holding me back. This is what I'm doing well at, but this is where I kind of need to improve. And I've always, me and my dad, he's helped me a lot with that, but, um, I've always been able to kind of step back and see like, okay, this is where I'm at. This is where I want to go. And this is what I need to do to get there. And, um, it's, it was, it's always been a combination of kind of everything you said, like, um, I've, you know, started going to the gym and, um, getting longer. I've gotten better equipment. I've spent time with, uh, instructors because growing up, I didn't really have like high level instruction. Like I didn't have like a coach that I was going to. So like, as I got older, I started having coaches that helped me, uh, progress and, um, you know, I started working on some of the areas of my game that were weak. Um, I used to not, like I, for example, I used to not be able to hit a three wood off the ground. Like for like when I was like 10, 11, 12 years old, I just could not hit a three wood off the ground. Like my swing just wouldn't allow for me to like get it up. Like I could hit it, but I just wouldn't get up in the air and, um, different things like that, you know, fairway bunker shots used to be kind of a weakness, um, or just bunker shots in general, but, um, just, you know, kind of spending time on those areas has helped me like develop. And then a lot of it's mental too, you know, like, cause golf is such a mental, mental game. Let's um, get into the mental side, dude. How do you, what does that mean? So are you like taking deep breaths? Are you like visual, visualizing this thought or the shot, excuse me? Are you um, like talking to yourself better between shots? Like how can someone improve their mental game? I think that's a big part of golf. I had a guy on named Dr. Joe Parent who, wrote the book zen golf and he talked a little bit about you know just kind of being mindful on the course and like getting into that flow state so for you what how do you how do you do that yeah i mean i've i mean i i haven't fully figured it out (laughs) for one i'll start by saying that it's not like i'm on the pga tour so i'm still kind of trying to figure out how to get the most out of myself but um it's definitely something that you know there's a lot of different things that you can do to kind of address it um I've read a lot of Bob Rotella books um, that have kind of got into like, you know, the different feelings that you get out there and how to kind of manage the pressure and the nerves and, you know, how you feel in different situations and, you know, kind of like when you need to execute a shot, can you pull it off and how to get yourself in the right frame of mind. So I've, I've read a lot of those books. Um, On top of that, like I've, I've done some breathing techniques and like just tried to get myself to be as calm as possible because um, golf is one of those sports where like everyone out there is good and, you know, everyone out there can play at a high level, but it's about who can play at that level when they need to the most consistently. 
you know, like, can, okay, you can shoot 66 today. Can you go out and shoot another 66 tomorrow? You know, um, can you like hold up under the pressure of closing a tournament out? That, that was probably one of Tiger's biggest assets, you know, especially in majors. Once he had that lead, you know, he wasn't going to give it up. And um, I, I mean, it, it's just been a lot of stuff. Golf is just, it's so mental because you spend so much time not doing anything. You know, if you really think like other sports, you know, you have timeouts or, you know, you might have breaks in the action, but in golf, like, okay, you hit a shot and then it might be two, three, four minutes before you even get to your next shot. So there's so much time to be thinking about anything. You know, you could be thinking about the next shot. You could be thinking about what you're going to eat for dinner. So it's just a constant battle of not letting your mind wander away from the task at hand and while being able to put enough time into what you need to do, but not like overthink things and get in your own way. So um, it's definitely a, a difficult task and one that I think the players that make it to the top of the game or they're able to, to master the mental side the most. Because once you get to a certain level, like I'd say like as a pro, most of my improvements over the last two or three years have been mental more so than physical. Because, you know, once you have a lot of the shots, it's, you know, okay, it's like, well, can you pull it off when you need to pull it off? A lot of it's decision making at the end of the day, like just, you know, what shot you choose to hit, you know, where you choose to aim, like, you know, understanding what the wind's doing, like, um, what conditions are you playing in? Like, are you playing at elevation? Like, what type of grass are you on? Like, there's there's a whole bunch of because golf is one of those sports where everything is always changing, you know, basketball, football, the field stays the same, you know, I guess you could have like the weather could like alter, like how far the ball travels and baseball and things like that. But like indoor sports, especially like basketball, it, you're always playing in the same environment. Golf, you play courses that are different lengths that have different type of grass um, that, you know, some are flat, some are tree line, some are in the desert. Like, all everything's always changing. So you have to be able to adapt like all the time. And, you know, that takes a lot of mental fortitude and strength, you know, on its own. And then you have to so combine. So did you have someone with- to kind of like help? Cause you mentioned your dad earlier here, your dad to kind of help you like learn, you know, like look at maybe weaknesses in your game or things that could be improved, dial into those things and improve them. But since obviously you being away at university and now in Florida, like on mini tours, is there, has there been a guy or any sort of resource that you have sort of in your corner that's been able to help you get to that next level? Cause you know, I think a big part of life is having a mentor and having someone that can just pour into you and, and give you knowledge, right? That's so valuable. So is there anyone that you have right now that's been sort of in your circle that's kind of helped you get to that next level as well? So I, I have a few people on my team, I guess you could call it, that um, I've met in a lot of different ways. Um, one person I met growing up when I was still in Michigan, um, she was like a family friend of one of my mom's high school friends, and he played yeah. golf. And, you know, I would grow up and play in their outing that they had every year. And, you know, he saw me from a young age and how I grew better and better. And, um, you know, lucky enough, he was able to support me along the way as well. So he's been a good resource. And he also lives down here in Florida, too, um, only about an hour away. So I play with him even now to this day. Um, 
And then I, I've met a couple other people as well. Like um, I joined a fraternity my senior year of, of college and um, quickly after joining, I met, it was kind of just by happenstance and chance luck that um, I was sending an email out to some of the fraternity brothers, letting them know about how I was turning pro. And here are, are a few of the events that I have coming up. One of them was in Los Angeles and he saw the email and he was from Southern California as well. And he said, when you, you know, when you come out for the event, we can, we can meet. And um, he actually chased the senior tour and got very oh, wow. close to getting on like the champions tour back in the two thousands. So yeah. he knew all about like what I was doing and what it took. And he's been a, a great resource as well. He actually opened his house up to me. I stayed out there in Southern California. Uh, Were you at LACC? Because I saw your Instagram. It looked like it was LACC. Was that was that LACC? Um, I haven't played LACC. I, what you might have saw was um, I played this course uh, in you know where Palm Springs is, like out in the yeah, desert. Yeah, yeah I, he's uh, well, he wasn't at the time. Now he's the president of this course called uh, the Quarry at La Quinta. But he oh, was yeah. a member back then. And so the first time I met him, that's kind of where he took me out to to play and practice a little bit. And right. that place is unreal. That's probably one of mm-hmm. probably the top, definitely top 10, maybe even top five courses I've ever played. And but more so than like, you know, him giving me that access, just having him in my corner because he understands a lot of like the daily struggles of, you know, traveling to an event and showing up and just playing like terrible and you know you you flew across the country and you just play a poor first round and then you're out of the tournament and now you feel like you wasted your time even going and all those mental battles because because golf is a sport where you spend so much time grinding on your own like you can grind with other players but at the end of the day you're you have to dedicate so much time to improving the game on your own it's an individual sport and when you're not seeing those results it can get hard it can get really hard. So it's important to have, you know, those people in your corner. That's what's so crazy. I mean, that's why I like really look up to guys like you, you know what I mean? Cause it's hard. Right. And it's not this easy road that you've chosen to pursue. Neither is a podcast, right? It's like, you got to grow some things, but, but it's like the only thing that's worth doing in life, in my opinion, is the hard thing. Like you have to challenge yourself, right? Cause you could have easily gone and done something else, but like you see this vision, you know, you're passionate about it, you're persistent, you're disciplined and that you're going to it. So like when you're in those situations, can you walk us through that and like how you talk to yourself, how you kind of get out of it? We want the raw, we want that raw like reality because it's the truth. It's hard, right? Yeah, it's not, it's definitely not, you know, blue skies and palm trees all the time. It's not just perfect, easy going. Um, I think the way I've been able to kind of battle those tough times is just, I always focus on like, okay, am I getting better? Like, and as long as I feel like I'm getting better, you know, I just say, okay, as long as I keep getting better, eventually I'm going to get there. And, um, you know, I'd, I'd rather get there in two months than in two years. But um, as long as I feel like, you know, I'm not, I, I just don't want to get to a point where I see myself just not improving or just staying the same. Cause that would kind of be the point where I'm like, okay, maybe it might be time to kind of give this up and do something different or like sit back and kind of reanalyze like what's going on. And, you know, if I want to go further, but 
Um, so are you a big stat I, guy? Like, do you look at every shot you hit? Like a, a Matt Fitzpatrick? Are you logging everything, or do you just look at a macro score wise? I'm not to his level yeah. with it. Like he, yeah. I, I've seen like I forget where it was, but somewhere I saw that he's like documented every round that he's played since he was yeah. in like middle school or something, yeah. and he, he has it like <laughs> all in like, it's like Savon. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, I'm like whoa, that's like kind of insane. Full um, swing. I, I was on full like, swing. Yeah, that's where it was. That's where it was. Um, and I I do document a lot of my rounds because um. You know, but simple things like, you know, fairways hit, greens hit, prox- like how close am I hitting into the hole? Like, you know, what's my up and down percentage? Just so that I kind of know, okay, these are the areas I need to improve. And um, I am i don't like go overboard with it. Like, you know, if I have a round where I only hit four fairways, I'm not going to just be like, oh, well, all of a sudden, like my, my driving is terrible. Like, because, you, you know, sometimes you're just going to have days where you just don't have it. But um, yeah, I do spend a lot of time like, charting my rounds and like understanding like, okay, these are the areas where I need to spend the most time for sure. That's interesting. No. And it makes a lot of sense. Like all of the stats, you know, results in better play, but I wanted to dive in specifically to like how, like when you first started, so you turned pro in 2018, right? What was your first tournament? Like, cause obviously you've grown a lot since that point. That was five years ago, but did you ever feel like this imposter syndrome or you ever just like, what's going on? You know what I mean? I, can you dive into that moment and that frame of mind? Well, I'm not going to lie. I kind of thought it was going to be a little easier than it's turned out to be, to be honest. Um, I kind of thought that I was going to be able to just make an immediate jump from college to pro golf and start off as a pro just playing how I played like my senior year of college. And for whatever reason, that didn't happen. Like um, I kind of took a couple steps back just be like the dynamics of pro golf are completely different from college golf. Like the level that you have to play at is higher. There's better competition. You're playing tougher courses or at least tougher courses than I was playing at the college that I was at. And um, everything was just a little different. And there was definitely an adjustment period for me to like, kind of see how things were at the pro game. I think I definitely took a few things for granted when I was in college too, because in college, you don't have to worry about your travel you know, the school's taking care of that, you know, you're traveling with a team, you know, everything is covered. You don't have to pay to practice. You don't have to sign up, you pay to enter the tournaments. Like everything is just, you just play, you know, you just show up and play and pro golf. All of that stuff is on you now. And, you know, every shot is money. You know, one shot can be the difference between making a check and missing a check. And the, the, the dynamic dynamics of all of that is just a lot different. So um, I would say probably that whole, cause like I turned pro like halfway through 2018. So I would say like probably the rest of 2018, I was kind of just feeling out like, how does this even work? Like, where do I play? What but did you have I a play? guy? Cause you'd mentioned your, your, your friend, right. Who has been pursuing the senior, like, did you have any guy or anyone in your corner at that time? who was like, Hey, Jordan, this is going to be tough. And like, or did you just figure it out on your own? I mean, the name of the podcast is called Figuring It Out, right? I didn't know anything about podcasts. I'm still learning each and every day, right? But mm-hmm. did you just figure it out yourself? Or did you have any sort of like intro to professional golf? Or how did that kind of transition take place? Well, I mean, I, when I was in college, I knew about like the pathways to the to the highest level as far. I think back then it was called the web.com tour. 
obviously everybody knows about the PGA Tour. I knew about like Q School and like some of the other uh, PGA Tour sanctioned tours, like um, uh, the Canadian Tour, like Latino America. I knew about all those ways. I didn't know specifically how you like get there, but I knew like about them to where like once I turned pro, I kind of did a lot of research. I also knew a lot of players that turned pro when I did too. So it wasn't like I was doing it on my own. And I was lucky enough that there, there were a few tours that existed that kind of provided me with like that next step where it was like, okay, this is where I'm going to go from here. And I didn't have to figure out like, well, where am I going to play? Because um, this tour called the Advocates Professional Golf Tour, which is where I've played a lot of my golf over the last few years. Um, they kind of provided me an avenue to like the next level of playing professional events on high level courses, traveling around the country, you know, building a schedule, all those types of things. Um, so I kind of had that, that avenue to, and that's where I started playing. Like my first pro event was on that tour. So, but yeah, it, it definitely is not easy. And it definitely helps if you kind of have somebody that can kind of walk you through that. Like, cause you know, there might be events that like, you you might not want to play you might not want to go there you know that that course might not fit your game or um it might not make sense to spend the money versus like you know i did like payouts and pri uh, purses and um prize money and all those types of things like they're they're all new to you when you're first you know turning pro so there's a lot to like you know discover for sure and like it, it's not like impossible to do on your own but i think it definitely helps when you have kind of like some other pros that are doing it with you maybe that you can even travel with so you're not just out there like on your own but, um, too. yeah for sure save some money um yeah. so but yeah it's definitely it's definitely a interesting process to for sure yeah so what's like the biggest challenge that you would say you know most mini tour players have or what's a challenge that you know you've experienced that you've sort of been able to overcome or maybe you're still going through it right now that the average person, the average golfer that wouldn't understand who just watches golf channel, right. On TV, they watch the Ryder cup, they see it on Instagram, but they don't necessarily understand the lifestyle of like mini tour golf. Like what do you want them to know specifically? Talk to them right now. I, I guess I'd probably just say there's a lot more, behind the scenes in pro golf than just like the PGA tour. Like everyone knows about the PGA tour, but um, you know, there's for every guy on the PGA tour, there's a thousand guys trying to get to that level and everyone's kind of going about it different ways. There's a lot of different tours in this country as well as other countries around the world. And everyone's kind of just trying to figure out their own path. And I think that, you know, people just kind of don't really realize how hard it is. Like, um, it, you, you just have to be really good and it's all on you. You know, it's not like you have a team there to kind of like support you when you get down or you have, or you're not playing well, or, I mean, it's all on you. And I think that's the, the best part about it. And also the worst part about it. <laughs> Cause I mean, you know, how, like when things don't go your way in another sport, you could say, Oh, well the ref, you know, that was a bad call. You, you kind of have a scapegoat there, somebody to blame. Like there's no one that, that you can blame when you're out there except yourself. Like you're the one hitting the ball. Nobody is like there with you. I mean, you have a caddy sometimes, but um, at the end of the day, it's just you. So you don't have anyone else to blame, but at the same time, then when, when you do have success, you know, it's all on you as well 
you know, you're the one out there and you, it, that feeling of, you know, putting a lot of work in and then seeing those results is the best feeling. That's, that's why we spend the time and, you know, dedicate ourselves, our lives and, you know, the way that we do, it's just to have those moments where, you know, you, you have to pull off a shot and you pull it off or you, you know, you're in those moments and you have a chance to win and you, you're able to get it done. You know, those are the, the moments that you remember forever. And, you know, they can be extremely rewarding. And, you know, when you get to that, to that next level, all of those times of just, you know, struggling and trying to figure out if you, you even want to keep going, that that's what makes it worth it. All right. So, so you mentioned the highs right there, right? And your face kind of lit up. So can we talk about, you know, looking at your career, the five-year period so far to date, some of the highs that you've had and been able to experience while, you know, while playing? Yeah, first pro win definitely would be uh, probably the first highlight. Um, I, I didn't have to wait too long to get it either. Um, it was in 2018, back when I was in Michigan on this uh, small one-day tour. Um that traveled kind of all over the state. I was able to, I was, I played with the guy that ended up finishing second. And so I was, you know, I was playing basically head to head with him all day. We were at, I think I had a one stroke lead going to the last hole and I had to, it was a par five, basically birdieing it would kind of seal that like I would more than likely win. And we were both we both hit our drives down there. I I was first to play, and I was kind of trying to decide, well, like, what do I want to do here? Like, do I want to go for this green? I wasn't in the fairway, and I kind of had a shaky lie. And he was in prime position to like reach the green easily. So I was kind of like, well, he's probably going to make birdie. There was water short of the green, so like my shot was a little bit more dicey because if I go for it and I'm in the water now, I could have lost the tournament on that shot. Because now you know I'd probably make par at best. He makes birdie, and now or he could even make eagle from where he was, and we either tie or like I could lose the event. And that's you know if I make par, but I was able to execute the shot that I went for going for the green. I hit it to like 15 feet for eagle, so that basically kind of yeah. sealed the tournament with and three wood. No, no, it was with an iron. It was with an iron. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I hit like a, like a six iron or something like that. Uh -huh. Um, but yeah, just having that moment where that I even like to this day that I can draw back on of like, okay, I had to execute a shot, you know, the pressure was on, I knew I needed to pull it off. If I didn't, I wasn't going to win. And I pulled it off. Those are the times that like, you know, I store in my memory bank to kind of help me when I get in those same type of situations now. So I would say probably that was probably one of the biggest highlights. On top so that of that, right after you'd finished university as I think well, it was like, I think it was like in the fall of 2018. So it wasn't literally right after I graduated, but um, it was still that that same year that I graduated. But you were coming and off then, two college wins too. You'd said so. You were on an absolute heater. It sounds like right. Yeah, in my senior year, I could have won more too. Like I had two wins, and then i I had like I had like a couple seconds or something. Like I, there was a couple other events that I easily could have won too. So I, I and we only played I think eight or nine events, uh, my senior year, and I could have won like half of them, which you know, is like you know not in golf. I mean, it's you know you normally I mean Tiger has the best winning percentage of all time, and it was it's like a hair under twenty five percent of his, the tournaments he yeah, played. It's like 23% so twenty three percent or something, right? Yeah. So you know to win that many times and and not even play ten events would have been great, but 
Um, yeah, I was I was playing good golf back then, but you know, part of it was like the competition at the level I was at. You know, it wasn't like I was playing, you know, Duke and NC State every single time I teed it up. So, um, you know, the level kind of definitely went up a little bit when I turned pro. Um, when I started to have to compete against those types of players from those uh, bigger Dude, schools. So when was your like, oh shit moment? I'm a pro. Like, like this is real. Was there a one time, probably, like a moment where you're like, all right, I'm here kind of thing. Probably like when I, the first time I traveled, um, I think I, I went to Texas or I can't remember where I went, but um, the first event where I, I was on the road on my own, that's when it kind of hit me. Cause it was like, I'm, I'm going to this event and it, you know, I'm by myself and I'm going to play golf. Like, you know, that's, and I, and I know nobody there, like, you know, that's kind of when it hit me where I was like, wow, this is like real like now, this is really real now. So, um, and also probably when I kind of got out and started to see the the competition and how good everybody was, that's when I was like, well, okay, I, this isn't going to be as easy as I thought, you know, there, the competition out here is stiff and, I need to get better. And that was kind of motivating in itself, just like seeing, you know, how good everybody was and, you know, seeing what was possible, like, you know, if you could get to a certain level, because I was like, oh man, like you, he made, he made $50,000 in a week, you know, like he made a hundred thousand dollars in a month, you know, seeing those type of opportunities that are there and, you know, they they kind of motivated me to keep me going especially like I didn't I haven't like my whole career hasn't been just like straight through like I haven't played all every single year that I've been a pro like um in 2020 I basically didn't compete at all with COVID and everything that was going on with that and I only played like three or four events in 2018 so this this year is kind of like my I guess you could call it like my fourth year like my fourth full year um and there's a lot of things that I wish I knew then that I know now, but you know, let's get into them, dude. Back. Let's get into them. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, what there, specifically there's a lot of, though? Like just like simple things about like even with equipment, like oh, uh, you know, a wedge with this amount of bounce is probably better for these types of conditions compared to you know an, another type of conditions, or um, just like shot selection, like coaching, like. I, I didn't really receive high level coaching until I was a pro. Like I, I had coaches when I was in high school, but my high school coach couldn't really help me. Um, yeah. And I kind <laughs> they're of, they're just like, improved. you know, kind of there, right? Yeah. Like, These, I mean, they're, yeah, they're, they're great guys, like, dude. You know, they're there to just like, all right, get it back. You know, like they're not going to, it's not like they're going to pull me to the side and be like, Oh, you're getting a little quick with your takeaway. So uh, bring a little bit more inside and, yeah. Or like, um, look at your track man numbers and be like, Hey, you, you know, you're yeah. coming a little too far inside out. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that just wasn't, I mean, maybe others had that type of situation, but for me, it was like, uh, I'm basically just on the range practicing on my own around other players. I really, and that's how it was in college too. Like my college coach even didn't really provide me with that much technical, like development of my swing in my game. So when I turned pro, um, that's when I was kind of, had my eyes open to like some of the deficiencies in my swing and my game. And like, I, I grew a, a new level of understanding of like how to execute certain shots and different things like that. So um, I think I definitely could have developed faster if I had some of those uh, had some of the access when I was younger, like, you know, even before I was in high school, but that just kind of wasn't my situation. And I think those, 
I think you, you asked me cert- something about, um, you know, what are, you know, what's holding me back or, or what are, is separating me from where I am now and like the highest level. And it, for many tour players, it's kind of a combination of three things. You, you have to have the money, the opportunity, and the resources. Those are kind of the three things that all, you know, many tour players are looking for. And that could be like status on a tour to have a place to play. It could be the money to, to be able to play as many events as you want or travel to play bigger events outside of your local area. Um, and you got to have the resources, you know, I mean, everybody's looking for that, that opportunity. I mean, you see it all the time. Somebody Monday qualifies into an event and it, it changes their life because they have a really good week. And then that leads to them, you know, getting more sponsor exemptions or some status, or they make, make money that changes their life in the course of their career. And that's what every player like me is looking for. They're looking for that, that what's going to give me that boost to get, you know, to where I want to go. And, you know, it's fierce. The competition's stiff, but, um, you know. How have you been able to navigate those three factors? I mean, obviously pretty well, like you've been doing this for four years, right? But can you kind of talk through, like, say there's a guy who's thinking about going pro, like, what do you wish you could tell that guy when it comes to those three you know, variables that you had brought up when it, you know, as far as like what, yeah, as far as success goes? Um, Just like, you know, I would say, you know, don't have crazy lofty expectations in the very beginning. Understand that it's, it's a, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint, you know, it's going to be a process. Um, You know, you definitely want to have the, the, uh, uh, I guess, how would I say it? Um, You want to like feel like you can do it, but you don't want to feel like, okay, because I know I can do it, like I'm expecting it to happen in X amount of time, you know? And if it doesn't, you, you don't want to like set yourself up for failure as far as like, okay, I want to do this by this, the end of this year. I want to win four events. And then if you don't, or if you don't win any, you kind of feel like down and like disappointed. And cause like, like you kind of said about how you got burnt out from playing golf so much from a young age the same thing can kind of happen um when you're you know at the pro level where 100 percent, and the stakes are way higher and like you said every shot so you had mentioned something like every shot is money and that yeah. stood out in my mind to think all the time <laughs> my dad told me that all the time every I, shot is money so i saw i saw another and it goes both ways like i saw victor hovland's winnings like every shot that he hit was worth x amount of money yeah. You know, because they, they took his overall winnings divided by the number of strokes he made. So you were able to calculate every shot. So that that just to me is like, there's just so much fucking pressure. And like, it's just amazing. And it's badass to see. Sorry to interrupt. Keep going. Yeah, I mean, I mean, literally, that's that's exactly how it is. And, um, you know, that I mean, if you can have like people that can help you along the way, like um, sponsors that can kind of put you in position where you don't have to worry about like the resources, for example, like um, you have the funding to where like, okay, I can just focus on my game. You know, that helps a lot. Like that helps a lot. If you can have sponsors or there people there that can help you. Um, Because when I first turned pro, I didn't have that. I've been lucky to kind of meet people along the way that have kind of kept me going. But um, you know, you have to have, because I know a lot of, a lot of players I know work like just to be able like, or they'll, they won't work. They'll save up money for a certain period of time. They'll go play. And then 
they, you know, depending on how it goes, like if they run out of cash, then they'll have to go back and work again or, you know, depending on how things go. But, um, you know, it's not, it's definitely not easy and it's only getting more and more expensive. Um, you know, events that I used to play that were, you know, $300. Now they're $500. And, you know, since COVID, like it's more expensive to travel and the competition is higher. So it's not, it's not getting any easier. So, um, you definitely have to have, you know, access and the opportunity and the resources to kind of get you in those avenues. And then when you do have those opportunities, you have to be ready. Like, that's the biggest thing. Like you, somebody would call me up tomorrow and say, oh, we, uh, we want to give you a sponsored exemption into the Rocket Mortgage next year, your, your hometown event, you know, and I have between now and then to maximize that opportunity when I get, it. so it, it's kind of like being, um, being on the track, like, you know, you train all year for the Olympics and now you're racing in three events and, you know, everything you did comes down to this one moment. And if, you know, you could fall start and now it's all over, like everything you did was for nothing. So, um, you kind of just, so how do you stay so sharp then dude? Cause that's like, dude, I'm fucking engaged right now. Like, how do you stay so sharp? Like, how do you do it, Jordan? Well, I mean, I kind of build a lot of things into like how I practice on a daily basis. And, um, like most pros, they'll play like money games, um, weekly or just like different things that they build into their practice so that like everything is kind of simulating what it's going to be like when you're actually in those, those moments. Um, so like I'll, I'll do drills where like, you know, I have to make a certain amount in a row other before I quit, you know, and you, you get close to like that ending mark. And now you've got like three more that you need to make in a row you know, you're going to feel it because especially if you've already been out there for a couple hours and you don't want to be out there for a couple more hours. So um, there, there's a lot of different things that you can do. But the biggest thing is just to kind of be able to immense yourself in the process and not the result. And that's kind of what I've been trying to learn more uh, over the last couple of years compared to when I first got out and turned pro because I was so like result oriented when I first turned pro. I like I was like, well, I want to win this event. I want to like you know, get to this level. And I didn't really spend the time focusing on like, well, these are the things that I need to do to kind of put myself in that position. And now Dude, it's I love about- that. The process is like so yeah. important because if you do look at the result, it's so easy to just give up or to, you know, feel bad about yourself or to compare yourself around someone else. And then it's just discouraging. And it's like this downhill. But if you love the process of like waking up, grinding, right? it's going to result in pay dividends, you know, long-term when you zoom out. Cause it's so easy to just focus on the moment. Right. And, and to beat yourself up. Like the event that I just got back from, I played one of the worst rounds that I've played in like the last three years, <laughs> like out of nowhere, like a uh, fresh, like the, the event that I played before that was one of my best ones of the season. And then, you know, I just had one of my worst performances in a while and you, you know, it, it wasn't easy to, you know, kind of deal with, but that's kind of golf sometimes. And you kind of have to be able to deal with that, those things that are going to happen and just kind of be able to like learn from them, you know, and apply it to the next, the next round or next tournament that you play. And, um, that's kind of your process change. If you play really well versus playing poorly, like, do you like analyze it and look everything out the same or how do you like reflect on these rounds, man? Well, like the, the, I mean, it kind of depends on what you're talking about. Like the process, as far as like my 
my pre-shot routine, for example, like I try to keep that as as much as the as close to the same as I can. You know, like I try to keep all those types of things the same, no matter if this putts to win the tournament or to make the cut or, you know, it doesn't even matter. Like I'm going to miss the cut by 10. I try to keep my process the same. But as far as like the process of like, I think the only thing that changes is like the expectations. Like, you know, if you're in, if you're now like you're close to the lead, obviously now you have a realistic chance to win the tournament. Now you're going to kind of feel things that you wouldn't feel if you weren't in those, in those moments. But um, as long as like you're focusing on like what you need to do to give yourself the best chance to execute and rather than like trying to execute you know that's what's gonna put you in the like best state to be able to perform at your best you know because at the end of the day you could hit a really good putt and it could just not go in like you could hit a drive right down the middle of the fairway it could hit a sprinkler head and go in the water so like you're not fully Dude, in golf control. is such a crazy game isn't it it's you're such not a wild in control game of the result like i mean the wind could come up randomly and like you know, right. your ball could like go way further than normal. Like there's a whole bunch of things in golf that like you're not in control yeah. of. All you can really control is what you do leading up to you hitting the ball. After you hit it, nothing's really in your control anymore. Right. So it's, you know, that's kind of important to kind of have that perspective to work. Cause I've, I've seen a lot of players over the years, um, you know, get very i'll just say get very frustrated on the golf course because <laughs> yeah. um, do you have any funny mini tour stories that are sort of like re- revolving around that because there's just so well, much pressure and i get that it's funny to look at and laugh but like when you you try to resonate and empathize with that guy who's pissed like it makes sense yeah. right every shot's a dollar he could have saved up months for this tournament he gets an opportunity to play and they just it doesn't pan out for him right so i get yeah. it but at the same time, like it's easy to sit back, but when you really like try to resonate and, or it, you, you you sympathize with a guy or empathize, excuse me, like it makes sense. There's just so much pressure, right? Yeah, I, I'd almost say that, like, like what? I mean, a lot of mini tour events are televised, but if they were, yeah, you it would kind of be more authentic as to like how golf really is for players that are trying to make it to that level. Because like all the guys on the PGA Tour. I mean, to some extent, they're kind of set, you know, like they know that like. <laughs> Justin made, they're, they're, I'm thinking about Phil and Dustin, dude. They're walking around with like hundreds of millions of dollars, you know. Yeah, like I mean, at that point, yeah. you're just kind of playing. Like you're not, right. you're just playing. Like you play well one week, you play not well the next. It doesn't really matter. Your life's not revolving yeah. around it. At the, like, at the mini tour level, it's kind of like, well, this event can be the difference in like your career continuing or ending like for and that those things happen. So it's just more every, the stakes are almost higher, even though you're not playing for the same kind of money because mm-hmm. kind of, because you're not playing for the same kind of money, like everything matters more. Cause you know, for, I know people, I've heard stories about people that like lived in their car or like stayed in their car for an event just so they had enough money to play or, you know, they, like missed a cut by one and they were close to getting tour status after like grinding for eight, nine years. And like, they just went away for like a week and nobody heard from them (laughs) until they came back. Like, you know, I mean, it's definitely not easy to cope with, uh, you know, the things that can happen on this journey. So like I said before, you just kind of have to have those right people in your circle that can 
you know, keep you in the right frame of mind because it definitely can get rough at times for sure. Yeah. Have you ever seen anything go down like at a mini tour event? That is crazy. I mean, you mentioned it being more authentic, right? And I completely get it. So do you hear just like fucks across the course? Like, oh, you guys oh yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Like, let's like, get uh, into that specifically, man. Like, how is it different, right? Because you went, because I mean, I'm just that kind of thinking about it. You mentioned like, um, like you played that event at the the Rocket, like the pre-qualifier or whatever. Like that seems like a different vibe compared to another mini tour event, right? Because it's like you see all the banners out, you see Rocket Mortgage. It just seems like yeah. well ran compared to maybe something else. Yeah, I mean, there's levels to it for sure. Like you, you have like state opens that are always ran pretty well because like they're ran by the PGA of that section. Um, right. and yeah, Monday qualifiers are definitely a different dynamic from, um, like a regular event. Cause you're basically just going for broke. Like you, ha you know, teeing it up, you have to shoot something low, like 65, 64 or lower to get in. So like, you're kind of just going for everything. Whereas in a regular event, you have more time and you might have like two or three rounds and there's a cut. So you might play more conservative until after you make the cut. Um, yeah. so yeah, there's different dynamics to it, but I've, I've seen like, uh, f bombs dropped on the regular like i've seen yeah. you know flags thrown like javelins <laughs> and, really uh, what's the story oh, behind yeah. that what well, do you mean to flip your out yeah like, i mean i've seen <laughs> i've seen like one of the craziest things i've seen i'm not going to name the player but uh we were playing a tournament it's a par three over water and guy hits it's going right at the flag it hits the stick and like spins back off the stick into the water hmm. and you know it went from like it could have been a hole in one very easily to like now right. it's in the water and you're probably gonna make bogey or double guy gets up to the green he like hits his next shot up by the hole and he grabs the flag to like take it out because everybody else is already on the green and he like throws it like a javelin literally like in the water or <laughs> and, just and it like comes like within three yards of going in the water and we weren't the last group. Like there was still more play, more groups to play in the tournament. And I was just like, I was just kind of in disbelief. I was like, well, like what would have happened if that went in the water? And we were in like a a, a state that had alligators and stuff too. So I was like, uh, th that would have been very interesting. I almost wanted to see it go in the water just to see kind of what was going to happen next. Because <laughs> I mean, he was just so he was so mad that it was just like, and I mean. It's funny, but it, it it's not funny. Like, it it's I mean, it just shows you kind of like how frustrating the game can be sometimes. You know, it's just no, just as a normal player, like going out on a weekend, right? It's frustrating. So when you add all these stakes to it, it's just it's it's pretty incredible, dude. So now that the audience, dude, we're an hour in. The audience loves Jordan now. Like, let's talk them through your actual game, right? Like, who are okay. you as a player? How would you describe someone? Because we've bought in to the man, but let's get more into like the player side, like. What is your game like? I know you're a Titleist guy. Um, can you kind of talk us through your game? Yeah. Um, I've kind of, I, um, if I was trying to describe myself as a player, I, I'm more of a, like my strengths are like driving and putting. Those are my strengths. And so my game is kind of revolved around like putting myself in one of those areas as often as possible. So um, my driver is probably one of my favorite clubs in my bag. And I hit it, like, whenever possible. Like, you know, like, so I'll hit it more than, like, other players. Um, I have a lot of confidence with it. So, like, you know, I'll 
hit it on tight holes, whereas other people might try to lay back with uh, something that they have more control with. I can also hit it a lot of different ways, like high, low. I can work it uh, both ways, left to right, right to left pretty well. Um, so yeah, that, that's definitely a strength of my game along with my putting. Um, you know, I, when I feel like I get it rolling, like I don't feel like I have to like fire at pins as much as other people might, you know, cause I know I can make, you know, 10 to 20 footers or maybe even, you know, some bombs over the course of a round. So, um, those are kind of the two areas that I'm strongest in. And then, um, my, like my demeanor on the course is very, it's kind of like how, how we're talking right now. Like I don't get too high or too low, no matter what's going on. So I'm the opposite way. <laughs> so I'm, I'm pretty even killed. Um, I, at least I try, I mean, I, I can get mad, but like, I don't right. like, I never overreact or like have like crazy, like frustration that I'll show on the course. Like I internally, I'll be upset with myself, but I kind of always move on to the next shot. And, um, you know, just try to give it my best throughout, you know, whatever event that I'm playing. I've never withdrawn from a tournament. Um, I've never been DQ'd or anything like that. So, like, every time I tee it up, like, whatever I shoot, you know that's the best that I could do that day. So, Do you ever um, see guys – sorry to de- kind of go back, but do guys do that? Do you ever see guys who just don't have a chance, like, on a mini tour withdraw? and just? Oh, leave? for sure. Is I've it, seen people, like, like just play bad down. and then, they like, no card just so their round won't – like, their score won't show. Or like they like will do something to where they get DQ'd on purpose because they don't like want to finish, or they'll just. Well, I've seen people just walk off the course because they're playing so poorly, or like uh, make up some excuse or you know say that they're hurting or something. Like I've seen all all that type of stuff for sure. Like because um, I mean, it, when you know like you can perform at a certain level and then you're not, it, it's kind of hard to continue to like grind through that like when it's it's very easy to quit like but like I said I that's just something that I've never done um growing up I I wasn't taught to like you know quit really anything so um no matter how bad it's gotten for me at any time like I always like see it through and um yeah I mean that's how I kind of as far as like my equipment like yeah like you said I'm a Titleist guy I've played Titleist balls like pretty much my whole career um I used to have like some other branded clubs sprinkled in my bag, but now my bag is completely Titleist. Um, they've, they've been making really, really good stuff like the last few years, especially. And um, yeah, I mean, I've been lucky enough to meet some other partners that have kind of helped me on the way. And um, you know, I've dude, got- can we talk about Grayson? Cause I, I wore this Grayson shirt in honor of you and I know you're sponsored by them. I know they're a Detroit <laughs> brand. Like I love yeah. Grayson. I think it's a, an awesome company. I love the clothing, mm-hmm. love the cuts. Like, how did that whole uh, relationship start? So uh, a few years few years back, I, I was lucky enough to win an award that um, partnering with Grayson was like one of the perks of winning the sponsorship because the guy that was mm-hmm. running the, the award was sponsored by Grayson. And so right. I developed a relationship with them. This is back when I was still in Michigan. And so I was able to like, you know, go to the Detroit store I actually met Charlie, the owner, um, was able to do some photo shoots with them while I was still up there. And um, yeah, the the relationship has just grown over time. And even after like that award has ended like years ago, um, they still agreed to work with me and, um, you know, provide me with uh, clothing for like the last few years. And I, 
I love all of their stuff. Like they're the quality on Grace and clothing is just unbelievable. Um, they're like everything they make that you know the quality is going to be there, and so you know, and they've also my favorite like, shirt. This is my favorite shirt. Yeah, and I mean, on top, I don't know. Do you wear pants or uh, do you wear pants or like joggers? Because like ever since uh, I've been pants. Wearing okay, okay, yeah, because yeah. that's kind of one of the like my signatures now. Because like I pretty much all my pants are joggers. Really? So, dude, if you Akshay if you, as well, dude. All the Grayson guys, Justin Thomas, all the Grayson yeah. guys are just rocking these uh, joggers. I have a pair of joggers, but they're you know like gym lounge. They're not for the golf course. Got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so that I mean, you know, I've been lucky enough to have them, you know, on my team and you know helping yeah. me out, and um, I've been able to meet some other companies and people along the way, and. Hopefully, I'm able to, you know, keep pushing and keep improving and, you know, get to that next level soon. For sure. I know you're, I saw on your Instagram, you had like a tile for kicks. Is, uh, like shoe wise, are you a foot joy guy or what? Um, well, I, I wear foot joy, uh, golf shoes. Yeah. But, um, I'm kind of, I've kind of developed myself into a, a little bit of a sneakerhead. It's kind of tough sometimes, like when it's like a new pair of shoes or sign up for this tournament. Um, you know, it kind of gets a little tough, but I, yeah, I have a, a good little size collection now of, uh, J's and, um, golf shoes as well. And just, it kind of also helps that my foot's been the same size since I was about, I don't know, 14 or something. So, um, yeah, it's, it's nice to kind of have something else that kind of, I can get away from golf a little bit, you know, and kind of have another outlet because, now like i don't play all those other sports and do all those other things anymore so it's nice to just have something else that i i can kind of get away from golf you know when i dude i I really want the travis scott like jordan class i don't know if they're coming out or what but i saw a film where i'm at the u.s open they're like the travis scott jordan yeah are you talking about the ones that are like that tan and like olive color i think so yeah those i I think they might come out in blue and like uh, like navy and baby blue too but i want like the travis scott like moco ones those look so Oh, sick. okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, yeah. I don't I would say probably the I don't know, if I had my favorite shoe in my collection, it would probably be I got the Jordan 4 Amama years at the end of last year. And yeah. those What colorway is that? Cuz that's dude, my favorite silhouette, like, dude. They're, they're like the a four. Here, let me see. Uh, they're like a it's like a brownish purple. Like, I don't know how to... Let me see if I grab them real quick. Dude, I love the fours. Those will forever be my favorite silhouette. And it's like a washed material. It's like... You you, you kind of have to have them in person to kind of see the... Like, I like them just because the quality on them is really, really good. Because fours, a lot of time they don't, like, feel the greatest on my feet. They're not the most comfortable. But these, they have, like, this, like... Uh, like, you see that there, like, this material on the inside. It's like... It's like it's a like quilted, quilted, like, material. Yeah. So, like... Dude, I, yeah. I end up getting the Travis Scott fours too, like the, the, the blue know, ones. The blue ones, yeah, I got those like on the sneakers app or whatever, and then I ended up you holding them for like the six months. <laughs> I don't know how I got it because I've never gotten uh, anything like it, dude. Usually I just get screwed or whatever because of all the bots, but I ended up getting them. I, I sold them later. I ended up making like five hundred bucks, but I was in Vegas the other day, and I saw uh-huh. at a sneaker shop they're selling for like two grand now. So, yeah, yeah, I mean that's the thing, like sometimes i'm like should i wear this or should i just kind of sit on them like 
<laughs> like you never know. Kind of, I mean, most right now is kind of like a good time to be a buyer in the sneaker market. Everything's kind of down, but um, yeah, there, I mean, definitely like, like if I'm on the PJ tour, if I made it to the PJ tour, I would for sure have the best sneaker collection of anybody on the tour. Like I've seen some of those like PGA memes of like them going to some of the players' houses, like uh, Pat Perez. Yeah. And like, like, cause I would just try to like have pretty much every shoe that like I've ever wanted. Like, and I'd probably have like multiple pairs, like <laughs> just so I can have like a brand new player at all times. And then like have some that I wear and, and everything like that. So, Dude, DJ Khaled is always playing in like newer, like sort of colorways that have never been on, you know, released to the public, which is pretty interesting and pretty cool too. But dude, Harold Varner wears a ton of jade. A lot of these guys now wear, you know, Jordans all the time. And like, I love to see like Jordan off shoes too. That's another thing. Like, you know, they're not just like, they actually have like fours that you can wear on the golf course. Like they have Jordan ones that you wear on the golf course now. So a lot of things like in golf have, have really changed over the last few years. Like it's become like, like more cool, I guess you could say, like, you know, you don't have to just show up in like khakis and a striped polo. Like now they like have shirts that don't even have a collar that you can wear on the course and, you know, different things like that. Yeah, no, it's interesting, dude. It's really cool. So where do you see golf going, dude? I mean, you've been in, you've been a pro for four years, right? So we'll, yeah. we'll say four because of COVID, but like, how, yeah. how have you seen the game change and evolve over time? Like with live and everything that's happened with live lately, it, it I don't, it's kind of, I don't know where it's going to go, really. I mean, Liv has definitely pushed a lot more money into the game. And um, it's definitely gotten a lot, like, there's a lot of really good athletes playing now. Like, partly because of Tiger, but, you know, also just because of the money that, like, is now in the game. Like, there's players that, you know, might have played, like, high school basketball or football or something that are playing golf now. And, you know, there's really good athletes, like, people are hitting the ball really far now, like to the point where they're discussing like, Oh, maybe we need to like, you know, not allow you to be able to hit it any further than this num like this yardage or stuff like that. So I don't, I don't know like where golf is going to be in 10 years. I know like over the last like couple of decades, golf courses have been getting longer and longer and longer, but you kind of can only make a golf course so long, you know, you can't start having like 600 yard part fours, you know? So it's going to be really interesting to see, especially like, you know, Tiger's career is for the most part pretty much over. And it's kind of going to be interesting to see what golf looks like without Tiger, because, you know, the last like 30 years, you know, Tiger's been it for golf. And it's going to be interesting to see like what it's like now after, you know, that period. Moving forward in these 10 years, like what, like what do you want to see as a pro, right? I mean, that's something maybe more specific to you having had these experiences, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I would definitely like it if there were kind of more places to play. Um, Liv has kind of brought that opportunity on, but like even more than just that, because, you know, there's so many good players now in golf that, you know, it it's still kind of set up where like in order to really do well as a pro, you need to be on the PGA Tour or um, or the Live Tour right now. Um, and it'd be nice if that kind of could change a little bit and some of the money could sprinkle down to some of the lower level tours. Cause like in other sports, like, uh, basketball, for example, you know, you have the NBA, but you also have like the G league and then you have like, uh, leagues overseas where, you know, you can still make, you know, money that you can, you know, support a family off of. 
And it'd be nice if that kind of like, yeah, it'd be great if they could like transition into the lower level tours also getting some of that money. And, um, you know, they're just being more opportunities for, cause there's so many good players. I would say this is probably the peak of golf right now. Cause you have all the players that like are on the tail end of their careers that were already playing golf before tiger. And then you have all the players that started playing because of tiger. So you have that boom. And then now you have like, you know, even younger kids coming on the scene now that are playing the sport because of what tiger did making it so cool to where you, there's just so many players now playing and they're still, you know, just basically the same, couple of places to play and I think that's kind of like the next stage of development for golf is you know there's like more tours or like maybe they incorporate like team golf like Liv is doing into golf a little bit more where it you know kind of becomes more interesting to follow for fans and that can help like increase revenue in the sport and you know just create new dynamics for the game because um, I think they're definitely going to have to figure out um some way of making golf interesting without Tiger Woods, you know, in the game, because he kind of was like what made golf cool. And, you know, he's just not there anymore. Dude, I saw this thing. I was trying to look up like current events to talk about something current other than like, you know, obviously love getting into your story, but I saw this thing where like the New York Mets owner just bought a team in Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy's, I guess there's going to be a league. And I don't know if it's like a pop stroke league or what, but that's the other thing about golf. I mean, it is interesting, but you look out outside of like other, other influences like social media, right? You look at technology. I mean, imagine a day where like there's a, a top golf team or what, I don't know. That's like totally far out, but if you can make money in the sport, doing something you love, like why not? It's my kind of thing. Right. For sure. Like, I mean, even a day where like, I'm not playing, you know, competitive golf anymore, I definitely would want to still be around the sport with whatever I'm doing. So um, there's definitely a lot of, I mean, Topgolf, how old is that company? I think they weren't even around 10 years ago. So um, yeah, yeah, there's definitely, I mean, it's just going to be really interesting to see kind of where things go. Um, Mm -hmm. I didn't see that about uh, them buying that that team though that that's really interesting it's gonna be see it just happened a couple a couple hours ago oh okay okay so yeah yeah, i mean it's gonna be really interesting to see kind of like um where things go like i know the usga is trying to kind of figure out like their stance on like this whole deal with the ball and like how far how do you feel about that because are are you a pretty long player i mean we didn't really get into to distance you mentioned accuracy but do you do you like hit it pretty far? Or is that something that would be concerning to you or? I'm not like a long, I just hit it kind of normal. Like I hit it, right. like I probably average like 300 off the tee, um, which, right. you know, by today's standards, is just kind of like normal distance. Um, so it's not like I'm a power player, like, you know, where I, I like try to overpower courses and things like that. I'm kind of more of like a strategic, like I'll go for things, but it's like, always within reason and I I don't have the length of some of the other players with the ball speed and things like that. Um, But I I don't know if it's the right move though, honestly, because I think that if you look at it, like it's not like the scores that are being shot now are drastically lower than the scores that were being shot, you know, 30 years ago. Like this, the app, like Scotty Scheffler, he just came through with like what, like the six or seven best, best uh regular season scoring average record ever 
and it's still like you know a good ways behind tiger's best ever so and and this is like this is taking years for this to even happen so even though everyone's hitting it further to me it's not that it's not rocket science to just okay if everyone's hitting it further it's harder to control all you have to do is make the fairways a little bit tighter or you know make the rough a little longer and you can easily deter players from hitting driver and then you don't have to lengthen the course like to me i don't know why everyone thinks that well like if everyone hits it further then we just have to make the course longer because there's certain courses on the tour like uh like the players for example at tpc sawgrass like that course is very demanding to where a lot of those holes they don't even hit driver but like i mean if you make a open hole that's 520 yard par four but you can kind of hit it anywhere then of course everyone's going to just bang driver and you know still probably play the hole pretty well because you know i mean you hit it 320 and then you hit like a six or five iron into the green it's it's not like i just don't kind of understand why they would want because to me it's a skill to be able to hit the ball far like to be able to hit it in the middle of the face you know generate the speed and control you know it's not like long drive where you know you can hit it anywhere and all you have to do is get one in the grid you're still playing a you know a round of golf so even if you're hitting it for far if you're playing well that means you're you're able to control it right. yeah so i don't kind of i mean i guess maybe they're thinking out to the future and i maybe there'll be a day where people are hitting it close to 400 yards and i mean i would say that's probably definitely too far because <laughs> if everyone's hitting it that far then i don't know where we're going to play everything's going to be drivable um you know at that point the scores definitely would probably be a lot lower but i don't know i mean i i, I mean it, i'm not making those decisions but I, I definitely if they do something to the ball i think it would probably negatively affect me at least a little bit because i'm not the longest so if they make the ball not go as far i would think that would make it not go as far for me i would think just like how it does for the longer players so now i would have to hit it shorter too so right Oh, it's an interesting topic for sure in the world of golf, but dude, all right, we're coming up. I, I want to just do get into kind of, you know, closing words here. Last sort of thoughts from you. Uh, where can people find you or like, how can someone support you? And do you have any like final, final thoughts that you want to share? Uh, well, thanks for having me on first. Um, you know, I, I, I'm trying to think, how did I even see you guys? Like I, I was just perusing on Instagram and I think you guys came up on the, that's the power of the algorithm, baby. You know like, I, mean? like, I just like, well, I was like, Oh, this is interesting. Like, I wonder if they like, you know, have pros on or what. So, um, yeah, just really appreciate the opportunity. Um, as far as like, you know, following my career, I have a website, which, uh, always stays pretty up to date on my schedule and like where I'm traveling to and what events I'm playing and, um, that's just my first and last name.com. So jordanbohannon.com. Um, I can like, I you can like tag it below. In the yeah, I can link it. Don't worry. But dude, um, one thing that we forgot to cover is the foundation, man. I thought that was pretty. Oh cool. yeah. 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 I mean, it's like I told you already, it's not uh, up and running yet, but like I kind of have, you probably already saw, I have like everything laid out that I want to do with it. Like there's already like a thought process behind where I want to go with it. And like the idea behind it is just I know how lucky I was to be able to have access to the sport like um and regardless if I ever make it to the highest level or not like I've met a lot of really good people and it's kind of shaped my life and I've been able to travel and you know see a lot of places and do a lot of things that I wouldn't have been able to do if I didn't play the sport and you know 
I just want to be able to give that, that opportunity to as many other people as possible, you know, especially people that, you know, otherwise wouldn't have access to the sport. And that's kind of the thought process behind it. You know, I want it to kind of be something that I can tie kind of to my own professional career and kind of like, you know, maybe, you know, host clinics or different things like that when I travel to different cities around the country for tournaments. And then, you know, you know, hopefully as I get more and more successful, like the foundation can grow and become a, you know, bigger and bigger, bigger thing. So, you know, that's kind of the thought press behind it. And hopefully, you know, I want to hopefully one day have scholarships with it and, you know, host tournaments and, you know, just kind of do a lot of things, but um, that all takes money. And that I kind of, the when I first thought about it, it was like right before COVID hit and then COVID hit. And I was like, well, <laughs> I can't really, can't really do this now. So I had to kind of put it on the back burner a little bit. And I've kind of been focused on my career a little bit this season. And this has probably been my best season as a pro. So hopefully like I can kind of get things, get the ball rolling soon. And, you know, maybe in 2024, uh, kind of like get everything going. Uh-huh.